0: Since 1965, the ACEC Life Health Trust has provided innovative health care benefits and services to ACEC member firms. We offer a variety of benefits to meet the unique needs of your firm, including fully insured, level-funded, stop-loss, and ancillary products. Visit our website at ACEClifeHealthTrust.com to learn more about our affordable employee benefit options for ACEC member firms, backed by the financial strength of the ACEC Life Health Trust.
1: Welcome to the Engineering Influence podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. I'm Alison Schneider. I'm joined today by Matt Reifer, Vice President of Infrastructure Programs, and Catherine Motley, the Vice President of Tax and Workforce Policy. Thanks for coming on the podcast.
0: Yeah, happy to join you. Thanks, Alison.
1: No doubt you've heard a lot of talk in the last few days about a new deal between Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia and Senator, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer for a bill on climate, taxes, and healthcare. This story has taken a lot of twists and turns, so we brought on these two members of the ACEC advocacy team to help us break this down. So let's give listeners a better understanding of what's going on in this potential legislation and how we got here. In the past, Senator Manchin has blocked some of President Biden's signature Build Back Better legislation and economic packages over concerns about raising taxes and new spending on climate change. We know looking ahead to the fall, Democrats are trying to get something passed here as part of their central agenda before the midterm elections. What has Senator Manchin's position been on the past in this arena, and why does he have so much power in this discussion?
0: Well, I I think he, um, he has power because we have a 50-50 Senate. So, in fact, he's not the only one who has power. He's just been exercising it, you know, over the past several months, as you said, you know, the House passed a substantial package. I believe it was around 3.5 trillion dollars of spending and over two trillion dollars of tax increases. And the hope was that the all 50 Democratic senators would unite and agree to that. And Senator Manchin made it very clear that that was um, too large a package for him. Um, and so there have been negotiations on and off, back and forth for the last number of months. Uh, but probably the wildest twist in all of this was a couple of weeks ago, Senator Manchin publicly said, you know, he was very concerned about the inflation numbers. He was concerned about economic numbers. He did not want to um, necessarily, you know, raise taxes and spend money, spend funds uh, without seeing the numbers that would come out in August. And then mere moments after the Senate passed the uh, competitiveness legislation that's now gone to the president for signature, all of a sudden he he came out and said, by the way, I've reached an agreement with the Senate Majority Leader, and this agreement is now what's being uh, considered um, by the Senate. And in particular, um, they're all uh, running everything by as you have to during the budget process by the Senate parliamentarian to see what's going to pass muster and what's going to be in the final bill. And
1: Matt, this announcement was a big surprise. Senator Manchin and Schumer had come to an agreement on a bill that Senator Manchin could support. The conversations happened in private, and now we're just learning some of the details. Can you outline some of the aspects that we know are in this agreement?
2: Yeah, sure, and I'll just, uh, I mean, taking a step back to, to follow on what Catherine was saying, I mean, the folks who have been paying attention to this in the infrastructure space will recall, I mean, Back in the early days of the Biden presidency uh, and democratic control of the Congress, I mean, this was all one giant package of of domestic tax and spending policy. Uh, And then that bipartisan group of senators decided to negotiate in good faith on the infrastructure investment portions. That obviously ultimately became the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act that we were able to get enacted uh, last fall. Uh, but for months the debate uh, among democratic leaders and particularly the progressive wing of the party was uh, we can't you know give away the infrastructure piece without the climate piece and the tax pieces and some of the other uh, spending initiatives and the the healthcare prescription drug stuff that they they wanted as well so this has been a work in progress and has gone through lots of different machinations you know obviously for the better part of you know a year and a half now um, but yeah, as Catherine indicated, the conversations have been taking place behind the scenes and getting to that point where you have a, a swing vote uh, and what that person can agree to. But the, the highlights, uh, obviously, in the energy and climate space are uh, a, a number of extensions and renewals of uh, existing production tax credits uh, in, in the energy arena uh, the expansion of that to other markets as well, uh, as well as... Um, incentives for manufacturing uh, and industrial uh, facilities as well. And there's provisions related to nuclear energy. Uh, There's um, oil and gas leasing in the Gulf uh, Coast and uh, in Alaska. So it's really sort of an all of the above uh, energy piece and a number of investments on the climate side looking toward um, more renewables and reducing carbon emissions.
1: Catherine, what are you looking for when you look at this legislation?
0: Yeah, so I'm looking um, at, not surprisingly, at the tax side. And it's interesting, the, the, the Build Back Better bill from last fall had a whole uh, number of different tax provisions that touched business in different ways. This is a much more narrow tax title. Um, So, they're raising money in a couple of ways to cover the costs of the bill. One is actually outside the tax space, it's allowing uh, Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices, which raises revenue. And then in the tax space, there are basically a couple of provisions. One is uh, related to carried interest for private equity and hedge funds. Uh, So, not an area where I have a lot of expertise. The next one is looking at Particularly large businesses and whether they're paying at least 15% effective tax rate. Uh, and then there is also substantial funding for IRS enforcement. And that is always an interesting topic uh, because you know, once once the funding goes to the IRS, uh, unless it's specifically designated for something like new computer systems, which they certainly need, they are working with antiquated equipment. Uh, but when you when when they get money for enforcement, you always start to wonder who, who's going to be audited. Um, so that's a big question in the business community right now uh, with a substantial infusion of money that would come under this bill. You know, where, where would those enforcement dollars go? Uh, so that's something that we're looking at. And then related to the, the climate change title, as Matt was suggesting, a lot of those provisions are actually tax provisions. So, you know, tax incentives for Renewable energy and um, resilience and climate change and, and these are all great things. One of the interesting twists is that the uh, they have structured these so that um, taxpayers that meet certain labor standards, prevailing wage and apprenticeship standards, actually would get a bigger tax benefit than taxpayers that don't meet those standards. And so we're looking at all of those pieces too, uh, while that would really fall more in the construction side of things, not so much on engineers, uh, but we're looking at kind of what the impact would be and, and how that would, would change, you know, how these projects uh, move forward.
2: The one other piece that I'd note is uh, there's a reinstatement of the Superfund tax. Uh, we are going to be doing some outreach and trying to understand the implications for our uh, energy sector and industrial clients, what that could mean um, for them on the tax side. It includes the a, uh, a Superfund fee on uh, oil and gas uh, based on a per gallon um, price because of the carbon content there. So something we're going to look at, uh, what the implications are uh, there and wh- how disconcerting that might be.
1: Thanks for that. I know that this is a work in progress here. We're not sure what this will end up looking like. Senator Kirsten Cinema from Arizona, she's also a name that's in the mix, an important part of this discussion. She wasn't included in the negotiations and she's not committed to supporting this agreement yet. Where does Senator Cinema stand right now?
0: Well, that's the fascinating part is we don't know. She and her staff have said over the last several days, once this agreement was announced, have basically said we're going to look at the text, and you know the senator will make a decision. Um, it's a really interesting kind of power dynamic. Uh, last fall, she was one of two senators, Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema, who both had concerns. But Senator Manchin was certainly a lot more public, and he was sort of more of the public focus. Uh, but now that he has signed on to this agreement, you-, you know now she's the focus, and so far she hasn't really. Um, expressed her position one way or another. Um, So that's been that's I think that's one of the really interesting kind of pieces of drama that's left in this uh, conversation. Um, I suspect she also wants to see how the parliamentary review of the bill goes. Um, As as you all know, you know, under this budget process only certain kinds of provisions can be included in a budget bill and the Senate parliamentarian is the one who uh, makes those choices, makes those decisions, reviews and makes those uh, final decisions. And so Senator Sinema may also be sort of reserving her public statement until she can see a little bit more of what comes out of the parliamentarian's office.
1: It's really interesting. I know Senator Manchin has been saying publicly that a lot of the things um, Kirsten Sinema was looking for are in this bill. And I think, you know, as she digs into it, we will we'll hear more about where she stands. We had some information come out late last week about what was in there with the climate change provisions. And then on Monday, we learned that Senator Manchin got commitment from Democratic leaders for reforms to energy permitting. And that also included construction of a major natural gas pipeline in his home state of West Virginia. What are you hearing about this development?
2: Yeah. And this is uh, something we've been v- paying very close attention to. It's a big deal uh, for us for, in a number of respects. One, obviously our member firms are the ones that help their clients conduct these environmental reviews. They do the assessments, they provide the they prepare the environmental documents uh, and help their agency clients navigate that. Um, and then obviously we have development clients in the private sector that have to comply. Uh, and so it Im- impacts them in, in that arena well, as well. And then the energy space, as you mentioned, and in uh, pipeline permitting, this has been a, a significant challenge uh, over the years. And unfortunately, the administration has taken some steps to uh, undo some reforms that we had supported. Uh, and, uh and released an action plan that may or may not have an appreciable impact uh, on on infrastructure permitting, particularly in the energy space. So we're very eager to review those details of what will be included um, in that sort of side deal on on permitting, but it could be uh, potentially very meaningful and, and, and very beneficial and helpful. But yeah, the, the devil will be in the details as it always is. Um, this is one of those provisions and Catherine mentioned on, under a budget reconciliation process, the provisions have to be uh, have an appreciable impact on spending or revenue, right? It's all tax and spending. So permitting doesn't really meet that threshold. So it has to be separate, but clearly it was important to Senator Manchin and it's important to a lot of uh, developers as well. So um, we'll see. You, you never want to be left out of the, the thing that gets voted on first. <laughs> um, so, but, but hopefully that commitment will remain and that it will be meaningful in ways that appreciably uh, make reforms to the infrastructure permitting process.
1: And then yet another wrinkle when it comes to gaming all of this out is that several Senate Democrats have tested positive for COVID-19 in recent days, including Senator Manchin and senators dick durbin and tina smith also tom carper if they don't get any republican votes all 50 senate democrats would need to be present in order to pass the legislation through reconciliation what should be we be what should we be keeping an eye on as this continues to evolve
0: well, you know, the latest senator to announce that he tested positive was Senator Cornyn. Um, so the Republicans have the same the same issue. They need all 50 of theirs to be able to push back, um, whether it's on final passage or even on amendments. They we um, our listeners might be interested to know that there is a very uh, wonky insider process that's all part of this on the Senate floor that is literally referred to as voterama, And that's when after they do the debate, general debate, they they are there, I have all kinds of amendments, and and that process of working through all those amendments on the budget bill is called votorama. And they, you know, so even if it's just pushing an amendment that puts uh, a Senate Democrat that who is up for re-election in a difficult position um, in terms of an amendment vote, even if it doesn't get included in the final bill, that's all part of the part of the political games that happen on reconciliation. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I I wouldn't be at all surprised if we saw. Additional announcements throughout the next week or so that certain Senate uh, senators are yeah, quarantining—it uh, just seems to be um, a regular occurrence at the moment. Uh, so, yeah, I would definitely watch for that, and I would watch for the amendment votes. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, even if these amendments don't end up um, passing, but it still can make for some difficult, uh, difficult votes and some interesting campaign commercials uh, for uh, the senators who are up for reelection. Matt,
2: do you have any final thoughts for us? Yeah, as you've indicated, there's a lot of uh, steps between now and uh, the president's signature. And the the margins are so narrow and uh, the provisions, you know, so far reaching. And there's a lot of things to be worked out. Um, Starting with a parliamentarian's review. Uh, and then finding out you know, where the other Democratic senators, particularly Senator Sinema, may be. And then, yeah, the attendance on the floor and who can vote, what the amendment process will look like if that results in any appreciable changes. So, yeah, a lot of things left uh, to come and review and analysis.
1: Matt and Catherine, with so many moving parts, I know you will be watching this one closely. That was... Matt Reifer, Vice President of Infrastructure Programs, and Catherine Motley, Vice President of Tax and Workforce Policy, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been another Engineering Influence episode from the American Council of Engineering Companies. Thank you for listening.